Now it gives me a great deal of pleasure to welcome Juan Villarreal to the pulpit. Uh, Some of you may know me as Virginia's husband. Uh, Anyway, uh, there was a book once that, uh, well, I belonged to another church. The book said, uh, it was why I left. It's why I left other churches and came to that church. And today, really, I want to talk about why I came, why I came to this church. But before, I've got to give you, uh, you indulge me a little bit and give you a little bit of my background, my religious background anyway. Even as a child, I found religion difficult. Uh, I remember going to Mass every morning while, in, uh, while I was in school, uh, never focusing on what I was praying, uh, only making sure that uh, I didn't make any mistakes in the litany especially if uh, the priest, who was often my teacher, was kneeling next to me. And uh, my own convictions, or the the lack of them, were never to be expressed. Uh, Any deviation from the standard fare was uh, surely lead me to certain eternal death. So we will leave that alone. Uh, my family, not just my immediate family, but most members of my extended family, were primarily cultural Catholics. Uh, they expressed a belief in God, not in Jesus, in God, and in the Virgin Mother. And they also uh, believed in some very utilitarian saints. Uh, those saints, of course, that delivered when invoked. So you only went to those saints that you knew uh, were going to help you. So those saints were addressed. Uh, They never went to to church or practiced any other than the most uh, common rituals. I don't remember my mother and my father ever going to church except for attending a wedding or maybe a baptism or a very close of the baptism of a very close uh, uh, member of the family, such as my baptism. <laughs> Most notable, my family was profoundly anti-clerical. Public schools in the primary grades in Cuba, where I was born, were not a viable option. If you were middle class, uh, you attended a private school, and uh, most of the private schools uh, uh, the great majority were Catholic schools because of our Spanish inheritance. Uh, even uh, poor people and working class people uh, made financial sacrifices in order to send their school, their, their children to a Catholic school, which was uh, not free, of course. Um, I attended Catholic schools, and in most cases, I attend, had to attend Mass every morning. Okay. Uh, my family moved uh, often, and as a result, while in Cuba, my father had a job that, where he had to move ever so many months, 
And as, as I had a chance to attend several types of Catholic schools. I went to school with the Jesuits. I went to school uh, in a French school for the Marist brothers. And ironically, I went to school with the, with the Padres Trinitarios, which are the Trinitarian fathers. <laughs> find that a little ironic now. Uh, when I was around nine years old, my family moved to the U.S. Public schools were okay in the States, my parents said, so I never attended church again until, until I was about 16 years of age. So from the time I was about nine to 16, we didn't go to church at all. Uh, when I was about 16, my father's boss suggested that my sister and I really should attend church because that's what most normal people did in the U.S. So uh, since my family had truly not clearly professed any faith, uh, they suggested we go to their church. And it happened to be uh, the Church of Christ, the original Church of Christ. Okay, and although the fundamentalism of the church was uh, really alien to us, my mother, who attended with my sister and me, insisted that what we believed personally was immaterial, that the members of the Church of Christ seemed to be good people, who promoted a very healthy way of life. No drinking, no smoking, no dancing. Uh, I remember the time in, my, in the Church of Christ that was a very happy one. On Sunday's afternoon, uh, the teenagers were encouraged to visit old folks' homes and shut-ins. And for the first time in my life, I felt that the church I attended was showing concern for things of this world. Fortunately, when I began to attend college, my relationship with the church became, uh, started to suffer. It was the 1960s, and the Church of Christ offered uh, their answers to very important questions of the time, such as Vietnam and civil rights, were truly markedly unpalatable to me. So... I left the church little by little, and then when I stopped, I didn't attend church again until I was 40, 40 years later. It's a long time not attending church. A few years ago, out of nowhere, my wife suggested that we attend the Unitarian Church. Uh, she was raised a Catholic a little bit, but she was like me, not very uh, church, not a church core, but she heard from her mother that the Unitarians were kind of cool people. So we have passed and seen the Unitarian, uh, the sign outside here on, on the highway, on Ellery, and uh, we thought, Jeannie thought, my wife said, well, we sh maybe we should attend there. I, I rejected that immediately. I said, no, I'm not going to any church. Forget that. I'm not going to start now. I'm beyond help. But anyway, uh, sometime later, uh, she told me that she was going to 
start attending this church with or without me. And uh, the reason was that she had been asked what her faith was and while playing bridge, and she had said that she was a Unitarian. And now she had to live up to that. <laughs> so... So I, I said, well, you're on your own. But after a while, she came to me and she said, you know, she had attended maybe two or three times. And she said, maybe, you know what? You're not going to believe this, but I, I think you would like this church if I know you well. And I resisted. And, but I thought up for a while, I felt guilty. As I've been married to her almost 40 years. This is the least I could do is go to church with her once in a while. So, I came to church, and the first person I met, actually, was Ron Thurston. And with his well-known, gracious manner, kind of convinced me to come again. I said, well, if the rest of the people are anything like him, I think I would like to attend church here. I'll give it a... Give it a try. Later, I've learned more about the principles of our church. And I gradually realized that I had found a home here. It's a church that addressed matters of this world, such as justice and equity. A church that taught compassion for our fellow man, regardless of how trouble or troubling they may appear, and a church that will help me become a better person. Thank you. We will now hear from Bob Jordan. I'm Bob Jordan, and I've been a member of All Souls since 1989. So what brought me to All Souls, and what keeps me here? I was born the year before the end of World War II, 1944. So I just barely escaped being a baby boomer with all the baggage subsequently carried by baby boomers. My brother Jim was born six years before me. There was enough of an age difference between us that I was raised a bit like an only child, but fortunately my brother occasionally made life difficult enough for me that I was not completely spoiled. My father was a commercial artist and my mother was a homemaker, and I am fortunate that they nurtured my interest in art, music, and books. In the depths of the Great Depression, they had moved from Nashville, Tennessee, to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, because that was where my father could find work as a commercial artist. My father was raised as an old-school Southern gentleman, and he never lost his accent or his, his gentility, although he secretly harbored some negative attitudes towards Yankees. 
As a child, he developed severe diabetes. So my mother's two main tasks in life were keeping my dad alive with a well-balanced diabetic diet and raising us two boys. My, my father always felt a longing for Tennessee. So most summers we piled into the old Plymouth and headed south down the old US 11 to Tennessee. He always said that the grass was greener and the air was cleaner when we passed over the border between Virginia and Tennessee. When I graduated from high school, my father decided that he had put up long enough with living in Philadelphia, and so we moved to Knoxville, Tennessee, where he had landed a job as an artist in an advertising agency. I earned a B.S. in psychology at the University of Tennessee, and then after serving two years in the Peace Corps in Tanzania, followed by seven months of travel in Europe, um, I returned to the University of Tennessee to earn a Ph.D. in psychology with a focus on animal behavior. I spent years observing and writing about black bears while in graduate school, but it took longer than either my professors or I anticipated because I took a detour for three years as a music director of a community arts program. During that time, I organized folk concerts and festivals and traveled all over the mountains and valleys of southeastern, of eastern Tennessee, western North Carolina, southeastern uh, Kentucky, and southwest Virginia, listening to and playing traditional music. I expect that my experience learning folk music has had more of an effect on my worldview and my spiritual path in life than my training in psychology. While I was so absorbed in music, I was undecided whether I should become a professional musician or an academic psychologist. Finally, I settled on completing my dissertation. After I graduated from UT for the second time, I taught for a year at a small liberal arts college in Western North Carolina. But during that year, I did some serious soul searching about whether I could make a living and carve out a career as an animal behaviorist. So I enrolled in a year-long clinical psychology re-specialization program at Penn State. For several years after I completed my psychology internship, I worked first for the state of Mississippi and then for the state of Louisiana, writing behavior programs and doing psychological evaluations for persons with developmental disabilities. In 1989, I moved to Shreveport to become a staff psychologist at the VA Medical Center here. My work with war veterans has had a profound effect on me. Frankly, leaving me with a discomforting feeling towards our country's military-industrial complex, as President Eisenhower termed it. I retired from the VA for the second time in July of last year. Also in 1989, I joined All Souls, but I had previously been a member of the UU Fellowship in Ruston, Louisiana. As retiree, my primary challenge... Um, my primary challenge has been um, to um, uh, find meaning in in, uh, uh, being involved in 
volunteer work and interests uh, since I gave up, gave up my 8 to 5 work routine. What brought me to All Souls and what keeps me here? My parents were Methodists, and as a child, I dutifully accompanied them to the little Methodist church in Narberth, Pennsylvania. But the services there were uninspiring. In my last two years in high school, I converted to Presbyterianism, but it left me as flat as Methodism. I began doubting fundamental Christian beliefs. At UT, I made a special point of not attending church services during my four years there. However, the Presbyterian Student Center at UT was run by an enlightened and hip minister who operated a coffee house in the basement of the student center for misfits like me who liked to play folk music, listen to philosophy lectures, and play chess. We were nerds, but thought of ourselves as beatniks. I started to develop uh, an interest in mystical Eastern religions. In my first year in graduate school, I studied transcendental meditation and meditated for several years with my TM mantra. This practice was helpful to me because it was calming and relaxing. During my internship year in Washington, D.C., I studied under a teacher of Tibetan Buddhism and at the same time attended a Quaker meeting. I was casting about to find a religion that worked for me. The year after my internship year, I attended a UU church in Mississippi that was known locally as the No Hell Church. Many years before, it had started out as a universalist church whose members believed in universal salvation. In other words, they denied the existence of hell. All persons, in their view, no matter how sinful, were admitted to heaven by a loving God. I liked this because I had rejected the notion of hell many years before. So when I attended that church and then the UU Fellowship in Ruston and subsequently All Souls, I was attracted to the welcoming attitude of UUs towards people with many different religious beliefs and philosophies. Christians, Wiccans, Buddhists, Muslims, Hindus, Taoists, and people who identify themselves as agnostics and atheists. I count myself an agnostic, although in recent years I've been influenced particularly by Taoism and Zen Buddhism. A friend of mine, Hank Storr, once called his spiritual path agnostic because he was awed by the mystery, majesty, and beauty of the natural universe. I side with Hank as an agnostic. As a person trained in biology and psychology, I am skeptical about any rigidly held absolute belief systems. There are many sources of knowledge and enlightenment, including science, philosophy, and religion. The Tao Te Ching advises, there are many paths to the top of the mountain. My experience at All Souls is that we provide a welcoming and nurturing atmosphere for people who adhere to diverse religious beliefs and spiritual paths. This welcoming attitude is embodied by our minister, Barbara Gerald, and our director of religious education, Susan Caldwell. And we have many dedicated volunteers who serve both in the church and in the community. You can see a, a little blurb about 
Claudia Harris in the, on the, uh, uh, the bulletin board that's in the hall. She uh, is the volunteer of the year. Oh, excuse me, of, of this month. <laughs> and it's nice that she was recognized that way. At All Souls, we welcome everyone, provided they follow their spiritual path in a responsible way that doesn't hurt other people. So, welcome to All Souls. Thank you.